Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Kun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me is my OG co-host, Ryan Whitfield. What's up, Ryan? And I know you're under the weather, man. I'm sorry to hear that. All good. Plan for, uh, got, got my sleeping performance tonight, so, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll manage. Alright, well, hey, listen, I... Hopefully Thanksgiving will get you up and running again because uh, along with little Thanksgiving food, of course, it's Thanksgiving football. I mean, are you uh, looking forward to that at all, or you're like, listen, I'm just gonna sleep in. <laughs> Be done no, with no, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, hoping I get get on the bench here because uh, uh, the rest of it I'll still enjoy, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can uh, rally enough to enjoy some Thanksgiving Day beers on uh, on Thursday. So we'll, we'll see. Well, I got faith, man. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to do this. Hey, I, got a, I got a little trivia, actually, for you. Did you know that every team has played on Thanksgiving except for one team? Any thoughts on who that one team might be? I'm just going to go with my, my visceral gut reaction to Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, Jacksonville I, yeah, Jaguars. I picture it. I, just, I, I can think of a lot of the third to games now. Uh, the Harbaugh Bowl, you know, back in 2012, I think, when the 49ers and Ravens played on Thursday night uh, right. on, on one of the first ever primetime Thanksgiving games. Uh, but yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, you yeah, nailed it. The, and, and an expansion <laughs> team, so that that narrows it down too, right? It's probably not a team that's been around for 50 years. So you, you yeah, I, one, I guess so. that's probably that's probably true. But so listen, everybody, a, a, a cold cannot hold Ryan down. <laughs> even <laughs> even with the cold, he's able to get the secret uh, trivia question of the week. All right, we got lots to discuss today, including updated top five power rankings, whether the Bengals and the Browns can make the playoffs without their respective starting quarterback, the worst team in the NFL after week 11, and what they have to fix, whether Bill Belichick and Ron Rivera are going to get canned, and if so, when, and then predictions on which teams make the NFC and AFC championship game. Let's get this thing rolling. All right, Ryan. So it's been two weeks now, and we've had our old power five, top five power rankings. I think things have changed a little bit since then, particularly uh, after last night. It might have solidified some, some positions and made some other teams slide a little bit. So uh, why don't you give us your current top five power ranking? Uh, go ahead and start at one and work your down to five. Yeah. I mean, after last night, you have to say the Eagles won, right? That was uh, – mm-hmm. uh, uh, a great comeback performance there um, on the road in a tough environment to win uh, in a game where they really didn't have anything going for, for a large, large stretch of it. Um, and so, you know, got to go Eagles number one now. Uh, right. Best record in football slash, you know, just took down who's my number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, I don't think right. either one of those are much of a surprise. So I'm going one and two there. Um, this one, this one might just be my, more my heart than my head, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the Lions at three because I want them okay. to be three because I, I, I yeah. love that story, I love that team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I understand I'm putting Jared Goff at number three. I don't love that, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't make you feel great. Um, <laughs> that's right. Uh, at four, I got uh, I got the Ravens. Um, okay. I just think that I think two weeks ago when we talked, you know, I said still, and I'm still leery of their, uh, you know. Uh, Lamar's postseason track record, uh, the Mark Andrews injury certainly affects them, but I think 
I mean, outside of the Chiefs and the AFC, I don't know who you who you'd believe in. So right, uh, right. They're my four, and then my five. Uh, it's a it's really a, a tough, uh, close uh, call between uh, between the Cowboys and the 49ers, But ultimately, I'm Forty uh-huh. Niners rounding out my top five right now. All right, so so yours and mine look very very similar. Although I do I have actually a little bit one significant difference. So I have the Eagles number one. Um, I have the Chiefs falling pretty significantly here, and I have the Ravens at two, the Lions at three, and then I have the Chiefs at four, and then I have the 49ers rounding out. And, and I'm with you. The 49ers and Cowboys are close. I, I still feel the 49ers are best all-around team in terms of balance between offense and defense. But that being – and consistency, actually, while, while they're healthy. When they're unhealthy, anything goes. But, man – the Eagles and the Chiefs, I mean, I, I have to say, they were saying that not addressing the wide receiver room is not a problem for them. It's a problem for them. I mean, it, they the defense for the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs played magnificently for half a game, uh, and they started wearing down in the fourth quarter. But that's not their fault. I mean, the fact of the matter is that they still played a really darn good game against one of the best offenses in the league. But on the flip side of that, the Chiefs offense completely and utterly stalled. Now, part of that is the Eagles and what the adjustments they made at halftime. But the Eagles allowed 121 rush yards in the first half of the game, which is more than they normally allow in the whole game. And then they went on to allow only 47 more yards in the second half of the game. They went from allowing a third down efficiency of six and eight to a third down efficiency of two for nine, two of nine. They allowed zero points by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and of course, they won the turnover battle. But is there anything bigger? than the fact that Justin Watson dropped four balls and then Marcus Valdez-Scantling dropped an easily catchable ball but 41 yards uh, that should have won the game at the end of the game, or that Travis Kelce even fumbled in their own red zone. I mean, this is uh, a real problem for the Chiefs. I don't think it goes away. So I feel like the Chiefs are a little bit lower now. What do you think about that, you know, dropping the Chiefs down because of their offense? So I, I want to address – the big picture on that, but I need to scratch an itch because you just did the same thing that was absolutely maddening to me last night uh, okay. that Troy Aikman and, and Tariqa were doing. Yeah. Um, it was a good ball to MBS, but that was not a great ball. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Aikman said that's a perfect throw. A perfect throw. <laughs> MVS had had did have to. I mean, and when you when you study, you know, uh, from my past life at PFF, I had to get used to watching game film and stuff. So I, I so I pay attention to subtleties. Like, he's not upright catching that in the basket. He's having to lean forward, way out in front of them, with his arms fully extended to make that catch. Now, again, I still think that I I call Wes Welker uh, the Wes Welker play in the 2011 Super Bowl. Uh, you know, that could have sealed that game a drop because they hit him in the hand. So I'm not arguing MVS shouldn't have caught that ball. But what mm. I am saying is that. You know, and I've seen a lot of stuff today on uh, on social media about you know how accountable Patrick Mahomes has been uh, for what he said after the game, where he said, you know, I I didn't I didn't make a perfect throw. He did, you know, I could have I could have dropped it, you know, right over the shoulder. He could have let him hold up because he had two steps on him. And like, also don't forget that MVS is one of the fastest players in the league. So to out throw sure. him means that it's really an off throw. So all, all I want to say on that one is that like. There's a lot wrong with Kansas City, and it's not Patrick Mahomes. On that one throw last night, MVS is catching a lot of heat when it wasn't a great ball. It just wasn't. Right. It was a good, yeah. not great pass in that moment. And Mahomes, you know, has to be perfect right now because of the cast that's there. So the rest of the drops, 100%. Although I do think on the on the fourth and 25, um, I heard somebody say it locally today, and I was kind of uh, saying I, I wanted the Chiefs to lose, so it wasn't like it's not like a biased take, but um, <laughs> right. 
I forget if it was Darius. I think it was Darius Slay. Whoever was on the coverage on Watson on the fourth and twenty-five got there early by yeah. by about a half beat. I mean, Watson's already getting hit forward as that ball is coming through, and that's why he couldn't close his hands. The rest of the right. night, you know, inexcusable. But you know, the one thing that I have the perspective and the lens on that not ever, that that you get when you were here for in New England for twenty years watching the Patriots is that. I said coming into this year, it reminded me of the 06 Patriots and the 2013 Patriots. Now, 06 Mm -hmm. is the year they let David Gibbons and Deion Branch walk, uh, and they started Rasheed Caldwell and Doug Gabriel were were the one and two receivers that year. Uh, 2013, they had Gronk, but outside of Gronk, that was the year they drafted three guys, uh, Aaron Dobson, uh, Josh Boyce, and Kembrell Tompkins. Outside of the Kembrell Tompkins, uh, crazy catch to – seal the comeback against the Saints like you shouldn't remember any of those three because I think they all were out of the league in under two years Um, and they got so banged up throughout the year by the by the AFC championship game uh, special teamer Matt Slater was starting Matt Mulligan who was a big uh, unathletic tight end uh, and Austin Colley the ghost of Austin Colley were were starting for the Patriots in Denver (laughs) uh, in the AFC championship that year sure when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, the four really is the AFC championship. I don't see a way that the Chiefs don't end up in the AFC championship, but you're right about everything else you said. They're mm-hmm. they're not super talented across the board offensively. Um, they've really done Mahomes a disservice by not investing to the receiver group at all, and they put right. their eggs in, their bas- in the basket of a 34-year-old tight end, and tight ends break down in their, you know, well before that. Now, he's not a huge blocking tight end, meaning Kelsey, so obviously yeah, a little right. more tread on the tires, but He's yep. the same age as Julio Jones. How does Julio Jones look? He's this, I, was, I was doing this exercise Low. recently. He's the same age as DeAndre Hopkins. Like All these other guys that came in when Kelsey did at the receiver position have also completely faded. I think he's the same age as A.J. Green. I'd have to go back and look it up because Kelsey's Ooh. 34. I think A.J. Green's like 35. But A.J. Green is out of the league. You know, so like right, you, right. Just, you just don't play that position at a high level for that long. Eventually the road, you know, the, the end comes to the road. So, you know, if I'm Mahomes, I'm I'm not thrilled about this year. And again, uh, for someone who just saw the fall of this dynasty here, can tell you that not putting weapons around your quarterback is a good way to start to fracture that relationship. And we've all seen how that how that went down between, oh, of course, uh, yeah, ownership, coach, and player uh, here in New England. So the cautionary yeah. tale of Kansas City. Um, so I don't blame you for dropping them. I just think the rest of the AFC sucks. So yeah. <laughs> I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time ruling them out because I just think the league is not very good this year. Yeah, and I'm not, and I definitely am not going to rule out the Chiefs. But I do think that I'm, I'm putting the Ravens ahead of them, uh, only because I think, and, and yet that's without Mark Andrews. So I think that says a lot. But but that's because the Ravens are kind of a run first team anyway. They got like 15 guys in their running back room right now, three of which are are pretty good. And Lamar Jackson, also more of a, a scrambling quarterback and good enough to get the ball in short distances. And you got some playmakers there. You know, Zay Flowers, of course, I mean, is, is there. But, you know, that, that being said, I kind of feel like the way the Ravens have built their offense is around what they do well. What the Chiefs did is build their offense around something that they do well, but they don't have the right players for it. You know, they, just didn't, they didn't restock the cabinets in terms of uh, targets. And, and you're right, Travis Kelce is not going to be able to catch passes forever uh, you know, that's just not – and he can't be the only guy out there. It's <laughs> just not going to work. So we'll see what happens there going forward. But that being said, that's the only significant difference that we have here. I mean, we obviously we flipped the Ravens and the Chiefs. But otherwise, on the NFC side, we're exactly the same. Eagles, Lions, and 49ers. You know, I don't have to say it's wishful thinking. I think the Lions are actually that good. Um, aside from the fact that they barely beat my, my sad Bears this week, uh, the fact of the matter is they did. And they were able to get things together when they needed to. Jared Goff was horrifyingly bad. Um, and they still found a way to win. So I think that the Lions are absolutely legit on the NFC side. 
Um, but I, I find it hard to believe that anybody is going to challenge the Eagles on the NFC side. But we're going to get to that in a second because we're going to get to the end there. Let's talk about something else first. And we'll go ahead and hit the boxing bell on this and move on to this topic. And that's the Bengals and the Browns because they're having some issues right now. And let's start with the Bengals. Joe, Joe Burrow is now obviously out for the season after tearing the middle ligament in his wrist. Sounds really painful. And it looked painful when he tried to throw that ball on the sideline. He's been replaced with Jake Browning. Now, keep in mind, Browning had a, a college career at the, in Washington for the Huskies in the Pac-12. And he is the he remains the Washington's all-time passing leader of 12,296 yards across 54 college games. He also posted a respectable 94 to 34 TD to INT ratio, and 16 rushing scores during his tenure as a Husky. Browning was uh, has been in the NFL for a while. Actually, he's been in the NFL since 2019. He was signed by the Minnesota Vikings as an undrafted free agent. He joined the Bengals in September of 2021 to their practice squad. Has been around the organization ever since. And that means he's had plenty of time with head coach Zach Taylor and his offensive system, uh, which showed, to some extent at least, uh, with his first extended field action against the Ravens in Week 11, completing eight of 14 passes for 68 yards and a touchdown, while also rushing four times for 40 yards. And, of course, that touchdown went to Jamar Chase, who else? So, clearly, it's good to see that he has some connection there. But what do you think here? The Bengals are currently 5-5. Five and five. They're in last place in the AFC North. But it's five and five, and perhaps they're only a game or two out of that wild card. What do you think the prospects are for the Bengals? Can they make a playoff run with Jake Browning? No, they're done. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, there you have it. Think, <laughs> they're just not. They're not a roster you look at and I go that they're an incredibly talented roster. I was a big T Higgins guy. I think I was. I think we were still doing the pod together when uh yeah. when, when that yeah. when that draft happened, and I was a huge yep. T Higgins guy. He's a good number two. He's not a great number two. He's certainly not a 1B. It's not this lethal, you know, 1A, 1B punch there. Jamar mm-hmm. is good, but, you know, compared to some of the other guys drafted around that time, like, I, I, I mean, if I were to rank receivers in the NFL right now, you know, I don't want to do it on the air. Uh, but I mean, he's obviously <laughs> a top 10 guy, but, but to me, he's yeah. not – He's not AJ Brown. He's not Justin Jefferson. You know, he's not. He's sure. not that level. So he's not CD Lamb. So I don't sit there and look and go, oh, they're just loaded with talent across the board, and they don't have, um, without the numbers in front of me, what I would consider uh, an elite defense. So I just look at it and say, like, I think that's a team where the engine really is Joe Burrow. And so with no Joe Burrow, uh, teams can survive a quarterback being down. We're about to talk about one that I actually do believe in. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the Bengals, no, I don't, I don't think there's any, even in, a, I mean, they could sneak in as a seven seed, I guess, because the AFC is so bad right now and so mediocre, but um, right. I just, I think they're going to go the other direction and maybe it'll benefit them. Cause I think, uh, I believe T Higgins is a free agent after this year. So maybe, maybe they can go into the draft and, you know, and, and, and invest in uh, other areas in free agency, let T Higgins walk and take in another young receiver that they can add into this mix uh, for next year. So maybe, maybe long, long term this benefits the Bengals. Sure. And of course the, uh, the Bengals, to your point, defense, not their strong point. They allow the third most yards per game in the league this season at 386.1. So clearly uh, they're not, exceptional and you need to be basically exceptional if you're going to be able to weather the storm on the offensive side. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to count them completely out yet because I think those wild cards in the AFC are kind of up for grabs, but I'm not sure if Jake Browning is the guy. He, he did definitely look like he fit 
in this small amount of time we saw him play in week 11. I think the true test then will be on into the next couple of weeks to see if he makes something happen. Let's turn to the other team that lost their big starter, and that's Deshaun Watson is out for the rest of the season, of course, for the Cleveland Browns with a displaced fracture to the glenoid in his right shoulder. He's been replaced with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Now, keep in mind, Thompson-Robinson is a fifth-round rookie out of UCLA, where he was a five-year starter. He completed his career as UCLA's all-time leader in total offense, completions, total touchdowns, touchdown passes, and passing yards. So he's a big deal on campus at UCLA. But, of course, he did start for five years. Now, he played kind of poorly against the Ravens in week four, and his first opportunity completed 19 to 36 passes for 121 yards, three interceptions, lost the backup job to P.J. Walker, who played Cleveland's next three games while Watson recovered. But he got another chance in week 11 against the Steelers, and he did not disappoint, leading the Browns to a 13 to 10 win, completing 24 to 43 passes for 165 yards of an INT and adding three rushes for 20 yards. The Browns are now 7-3 and in only a half game out of first in the AFC North, putting them in prime position to get a wild card spot, even if they can't get ahead of the Ravens. What do you think the chances are for the Browns to make a playoff run with Dorian Thompson Robinson? So as I just alluded to, I mean, I, I believe in it um, because mm-hmm. I think uh, a, they have an elite defense, which we all know they got the number one defense in yards allowed. And I think it was the fifth uh, in points per game mm-hmm. uh, defensively. So that, that puts you in a lot of ball games, even in a modern NFL, it's more about the offense, but furthermore, uh, despite all the hype the offense has gotten, uh, I mean, the defense has gotten and everything in, in Cleveland, I mean, they do have the 13th best points per game offense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and there there goes Ryan. <laughs> Apparently Ryan has now been dropped from the call uh, somehow uh, right in the middle there. I guess the, I guess the, the, uh, the podcast gods have decided that uh, his take on the Browns is, uh, you know, uh, is not legit. So they decided to just drop him. Uh, so we'll wait for him to call back in. But in the meantime, um, I will say that I'm also a believer of Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, I think the second opportunity they gave him is going to pay off. He's actually being, uh, obviously they're being very conservative with him, with, uh, trying to complete short passes, not get him into any trouble and uh, rely on their defense in order to win games, which is working quite well. As Ryan mentioned just a moment ago, their defense among the best in the league, number one in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, yards allowed and number six in terms of points allowed. So quite a solid defense there. And he was alluding to the fact that their offense has actually been pretty darn good as well in terms of scoring. And, I, and although it might be a little bit muted, uh, obviously they have no Nick Chubb anymore, and uh, they no longer have Deshaun Watson, but Dorian Thompson uh, Robinson has been solid, has been uh, reliable, and he seems to have become consistent as of week 11. There's going to be a lot more tests out there, but certainly the AFC North, AFC North is, I don't think up for grabs. I think the Ravens are going to lock that down eventually, but I do think that there will be a situation where um, the, the Browns will have an opportunity to get that wild card. So certainly some opportunities there as well. Okay. So uh, as we wait for Ryan to get back into the show, because obviously we can never count on blog talk radio to keep us all on the show at the same time. Um, You know how it is. (laughs) And and, and in case you don't know how it is. Yeah. That's some, some booze and heckling there for you. 
uh, about how we feel about the fact they keep jump dropping us from the call. All right, let's go ahead and um, get back to that in a second. We'll hit the boxing bell on that and just talk about the next topic, and that is the worst teams in the league. And, of course, the two worst teams in the league right now, at least in terms of power rankings, and this seems to be a consensus, it are the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. I don't think there's any surprise there. Um, so uh, I think that, honestly, uh, we can talk about what they need to get fixed and how we want to go about doing that. But before we get on to the worst teams in the league, let's just swing back over to the Browns and uh, Ryan back here. Hey, Ryan, welcome on back here. Uh, I know technical difficulties being our shtick. We didn't disappoint by making sure you dropped off the, the call and had to call back in. Um, I just finished telling them that I believe in the Browns as well. Although they don't have Nick Chubb or Deshaun Watson, they, they have a right game plan. And as you alluded to, they have the right defense for this. Anything else you want to say about the Cleveland Browns and Dorian Thompson Robinson? Yeah, I don't know where I cut off, but my, my point was that Deshaun Watson was not having an electric season. So it's, they, they have the 13th scoring offense in the NFL, and I don't think that the drop-off is going to be that dramatic when you're talking about a guy who had an 84.3 rating and a 7-4 touchdown-interception ratio with a 60% mm-hmm. completion percentage. So, right. um, yeah, is it a loss? For sure. Do I think it's a major loss? No, because I don't think that's what that team is built on. Um, and, I, again, I don't know where I got cut off, but my point was that this is not a top-five defense dragging a bottom barrel offense it's dragging a middling offense so if they can right. stay a middling offense these opportunities and the defense can keep playing the way that it's playing um then you know as, as i keep saying that the uh the afc is a is a bad conference right now so uh they uh they, they certainly can can be a playoff team i believe yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they get ahead of the Ravens and AFC North, but I certainly think they are well in line for a wild card spot there. All right, uh, now hitting the Boston Bell for a second time, because I actually hit it a little earlier in order to talk about the worst teams in the NFL. And the, the two worst teams that seem to be consensus worst teams by power ranking, I don't know how you feel about this, Ryan, but the very worst team is the Carolina Panthers. I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. Right now, the New England Patriots are listed as the second to worst team in uh, second to worst team in the in the NFL. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, is there is that legit? Are there worst teams that you have on your list? And uh, tell us what you think. There is no team that is worse uh, than those two, um, <laughs> okay. and I would flip them. Okay, and I would flip them. wow. And it's and it's and it's not from a negative, whiny you know, upset that they've come, they've fallen this far, but uh, you're going to see it manifest on the stretch here. Cause what they have in Carolina that they don't have here right now is hope. Uh, mm-hmm. You have a young quarterback, you right. have uh, a team that's trying to build where the other team of the team is a bottoming out team. Um, mm-hmm. And, and maybe roster for roster, the Pats uh, are, are slightly more talented, um, but uh, one of the things you'll start to see, I mean, we've already seen the cracks going on, right? So there's this whole dynamic between Kraft and Belichick that the national media is just starting to pick up on. And it, it's right. really honestly pretty crazy to me because I hear this, you know, routinely Rich Eisen, I think two weeks ago was like astounded that in New England we're talking about firing Bill Belichick. Uh, <laughs> they, they had, they've had one anomaly season post Brady. And if you go back and look at that, that rookie year for Mac, they finished yeah. on a stretch one and four, first of all, but also they had like an eight-game win streak. And during that eight-game win streak, which really fueled them to get to the playoffs, they had that crazy win in Buffalo where it was so windy that neither team like threw the ball all night. 
Right, I remember that. Outside that's the one big breakoff run. And outside of that, it was like every single team they played, they played the Browns, Baker Mayfield was injured. They played uh, the Ravens, Lamar Jam pulled and stuff, I don't remember. But it was like this crazy stretch. And they played like in that eight-game win streak, they played like six right. back Injured teams. Right, and right. And so it's like they, they, they have been bad. They are bad. And so now you have like this really kind of like lame duck coach situation going on with, you know, this, this fracture happening. And you're starting to see some stuff with Jack Jones now being released because he was he was off the reservation. J.C. Jackson not reporting to the team hotel the night before, even though he yeah, just got crazy. cut uh, in, in in L.A. And that GM stood up in front of the team and apologized for even signing him in the first place. And that guy comes here <laughs> and with his second chance is not showing up to the hotel the night before games. But the bigger and more uh, intense issue is go look at the Pats pending free agents like Kyle Duggar is not signed into the future. That's um, uh, why I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Josh Uche is not signed in the future. There's like a whole host of guys that they drafted like three or four years ago that they didn't extend uh, new deals to. So there's a bunch of players who were in contract right. years. Right. And so what happens on a bad team when you when you have th- that dynamic in there and, and they don't listen to the coach anymore? You're going to see a lot of freelancing mercenary type plays of guys just worrying about themselves and not worrying about the team. Um, sure. So long way of saying that I think you could see the Carolina, you know, fighting to develop a culture and develop their new quarterback window game or two. Right. I really wouldn't be surprised if we sit here in a couple of weeks and the Pats uh, finish this year two and 15, three and 14. I really think that's wow. I think, I think the bottom hasn't fully come yet. I think, I think you're going to see a bunch of guys quit and this thing go even worse than it than it has. I think we're just we're just scratching the the, the, the surface here in terms of how bad it's going to get in New England. Oh yikes! Well, I mean, I, honestly, I think the the big problem here, and you kind of nailed it, obviously, is that Bryce Young is hope for the Carolina Panthers. They're building around that, sort of like how Jaguars got Trevor Lawrence, and they didn't care if they lost the season or two because they were building towards something, and it made some sense for them to be patient about what was going to happen from year to year to year. Mac Jones is toast i mean it's obvious that he's not the guy and then you look at the rest of that quarterback room and you got bailey zappy who clearly was never on anybody's favorite list because he was released in august so and then there's will greer after him i mean i I forgot he was even in the league and then i don't even know who malik cunningham is honestly so um it's getting a little bit grisly out there (laughs) and it's hard to build around it when you don't i'm sorry the Patriots have had seven different quarterbacks signed to their a- active roster this year. Because don't forget Matt Corral, Trace McSorley. So a, a long way of saying, and again, this is the stuff that the national media is not talking about that you know people yeah. around here are actually covering. It's like, yeah, forever Belichick has not valued the quarterback position. It was very clear right. that he, you know, doesn't didn't believe that Tom was the reason for all the winning when he clearly was. Uh, right. But it's, <laughs> it's the point. It's such a mess that three years, four years removed from Tom Brady. They've had seven different quarterbacks, and not and none of it due to injury. Like that's the right. crazy part. No one. Right. It's not. It's not the 49ers. You know, last year, or seemingly what it feels like every year, where they have three guys go down for multiple yep. long stretches. They've had no injuries, and they've had seven different quarterbacks signed to the active roster. That's wow. insane. That's mismanagement. That's, that's dysfunction. It's it's a, it's a symptom of everything going on here. Well, let's get to the next question then, because why not? Bill Belichick. Um, is he getting canned this year? And if so, when? You know, the one, I, you know, it, it was, it was a founding principle of his that really helped build the dynasty. Um, like I said, it was all Brady. It was obviously hyperbole. It was, uh, primarily Brady in my opinion, but, um, <laughs> they always talked about no sacred cows around here. Meaning, uh, you know, you cut lawyer Malloy 
two years after you was a captain on the Super Bowl winning team. You, you yep. trade Richard Seymour when you start to see the play decline. Like, it was always out in front of stuff. So, um, with that said, Belichick has earned the right to not be fired midseason uh, unless right. something really crazy starts happening. Uh, but bar that, he's going to survive the year. Um, but I'll tell you the temperature around here, because there, there are a few still couple reporters keep saying, like, I don't think they're going to fire him at the end of the year. Most people around here believe he's gone at the end of the year. If he's right. not gone at the end of the year, people are not going to go to that stadium next year. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it, it, the, the pitchforks are out. The environment is out. And, it, and it's, it's not ungratefulness. It's just, again, it's no sacred callism. He's had four bad years since, since Brady was gone. The game has passed him by. Most guys in their 70s, Start to start to see it, you know, different performance, um, and they got to enter a new era here uh, because, like, like you mentioned, Mac is not the guy. I don't know if he could have been had they put the right cast around him, had he had better f- a functioning system around him, like meaning like the the turnover and offensive coordinators and the disruption, right. infighting, everything going on here has been such a clown show the last four years. Um, but they got to start over, and so you're gonna start over with a 70 year old coach and new, like, no, it's just time to clean house restart it all they're gonna have a ton of cap space and they gotta they gotta they gotta start drafting right and they gotta develop and it's gonna move on to a new era and 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 again outside perspective i'll hear i hear a lot of people say things like well they should they should just remove the gm duties from him and and then and then just have him coach well first of all if they do that belichick is then a free agent because that's a breach of contract so he can he can actually he can rip up the contract if they try to remove that from him without him agreeing to it. He's not going to agree to it. Why would he? After all this, right. he's going to go back and take orders. And even if he said he would and he, and he did it, he, we all know how petulant and uh, uh, stubborn he is. So do you think he's just going to give players handed to him and he's just going to say, okay, yeah, I'll play them? And so he's like, yeah, call yeah no. There's no way to do it functionally. It has to just be a clean breakup. Thank you for everything. Love you. Mean it. Go enjoy your boats. Go enjoy your retirement. Or go coach right. the commanders. I don't care but I can't be here. <laughs> and and uh, I just hope that they decide to keep uh, uh, Bill Belichick's dog Nike on the roster. I think he did a great job with the draft in 2020, so let's uh, let's keep him around. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Draft, a great job in the draft around here in about 10 years now. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, it was a dog. I mean, come on. I mean, give, give him a break, right? I mean, if a dog's drafting for you, you can only hope for so much. Um, so talking about the commanders, since you mentioned it, Ron Rivera – Clearly, I think the writing's on the wall here. Ron Rivera, you agree he's going to get canned, uh, I assumed, but when? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I do – I mean, I kind of I – mean, I don't see – and I'm not close. You know, maybe maybe uh, Wole we'll, we'll, uh, would, uh, would have some insight on this for us, and right. they perceive it's, it's functional over there. In-season is usually, like – the Josh McDaniel stuff, right, that we just saw in Vegas, and it came out after that, like, he's pulling Antonio Pierce aside and being like, don't you ever talk about the Patriots like that. Like, that level of, like, ineptitude, scandal, really doing damage. I think another guy who should be fired in season is Brandon Staley. Um, I right. think he should have been fired a long time ago, but I think the, the way he handled himself in that press conference yesterday was, like, even more reason to get rid of him and stuff. Like, when you start seeing stuff like that, that's when you fire in season. And my right. outside perspective is that Rivera has always been a, a you know a pros pro, right? He's just put together, does his best. I don't think it's a great roster. They're in a rebuild, so I would say I don't. So meaning that like, I think you fire a guy in season if you think he's damaging the culture of the players around. And I don't see that with Ron. Do I think he's a a, a high end coach? No, I think he's fine. 
but I don't think he's, I don't think he's, you're going to damage your your team by having him there. So I would let him ride out this year uh, and then remove and then and then find a replacement in the off season. Yeah, I, I agree with all that too because I, I don't see them actually turning it around anyway at this point. I don't think they have the cast of characters to do that. Um, I mean, their their defense was holding up for, uh, pretty well after getting rid of uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, but but Degas got absolutely destroyed by Tommy DeVito, a guy who lives with his parents and his, whose mom still makes his bed. You know, that's clearly not fantastic for them. Um, so that being said, I don't think anything changes if they were to fire him midseason. And, and what's the prospect? Who are they going to get uh, midseason anyway? Uh, honestly, I don't see who that would be unless they get some interim coach. So let, let him write it out. I agree. Uh, on that, and I've always been kind of a Ron Rivera fan. I'm a little bit biased on that, um, but that being said, I think he's going to. Uh, I think he's going to last it out. I think both of them will last it out. I, I would be wouldn't be surprised if, by the way, Bill Belichick in the last game of the season didn't have some sort of like commemoration thing at halftime, you know, wishing him well, so on and so forth, um, you know, some celebration of Bill Belichick. So I think that's what ends up happening with those guys. All right, man, we are at the end of the podcast, so let's get that over to our last topic real quick, which is going to be real, real quick. Is just I just need us to. Talk about the AFC and NFC Championship game. Why don't you predict for me the two teams who will be in the AFC Championship game and the two teams that will be in the NFC Championship game, and we'll see how that ages as we get to the end of the season. Yeah. So again, I'm probably rooting a little bit with my uh, with my my heart over my head, but the you know the matchup I'd love to see um, is is Miami Kansas City in the AFC. Um, mm-hmm. And I really think that too that, that that second team is really just such a dice roll right now. So, um, you know, I'll go that that's where I'm going with that one. Um, okay. And then on the NFC side, uh, you know, I'd really love to. I'm just going to go against my power rankings. I'd love to say the Lions uh, going to Philly for for a chance there. Um, but I but I think ultimately San Francisco gets back. Um, so you know I think I think we're seeing a repeat of three out of the four uh, teams from last year in the AFC right. with, uh, with the with Miami being the one that uh, is the new uh, sneaky entrant into the into the final four. Yeah, I agree with all that. Uh, but for I think the Ravens find a way to claw their way into that game against the Chiefs, and that might be interesting to me depending on on what the Ravens are doing at that point. But um, yeah, you know. I, I would love to see the Dolphins there. I think they have the much more dynamic offense. Their defense has improved dramatically um, since the bye. So, you know, maybe. I, I think there's certainly a possibility there. But they've been really inconsistent, and um, that does worry me a little bit. And, of course, they, they're just one Tua injury away from falling out completely. So Chiefs and X, and X being Dolphins or Ravens right now, is what we have on the table. And 49ers and Eagles looks like our consensus pick for the NFC Championship game. Uh, sad but true. I would love to see the Lions there as well. I think that'd be really interesting uh, because I think any given day they can beat anybody uh, with what they got going on there. All right, let's get to the end of the show. It's the air horn on the show here. That's all we have for today. And uh, let, us, let me thank our sponsor, Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code GARBAGETIME at manscaped.com and BetUS. Receive 125% sportsbook bonus upon initial deposit. Use the link in the podcast description and get the special offer right now. Ryan, Thanks again for joining us. It's always fantastic to have you on your show. Give us your social media so people can follow you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Ryan Whitfield, <laughs> N-E. And I will just say, I don't know how, how often I'll be back coming on this and stuff, but I definitely want to be here uh, post-divisional round when you get reminded of how, how bad Lamar Jackson is in the playoffs. And I want him <laughs> to see. I love Lamar Jackson. But these last got a lot of confidence in me. Yeah, I, I okay. Fair enough. I will make sure that when Lamar Jackson goes off the rails, 
that we have you on the show so you can tell me I told you so. <laughs> I promise you that. I that hope it doesn't happen. happen. If it doesn't, don't invite me on the show. But if, it, but if my prediction comes true, then I want, I want my, uh, I want my vote. <laughs> okay. Well, you can find me at FB Garbage Time on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it again, or on the FGT page on Facebook. Thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week.